Hey, this is Gina, and this is episode one of The Gina Show. Hey there, and welcome to The Gina Show, the show where I bring to you personal conversations with soulful change makers. It's great to have you here with us. Thanks for joining us every week. We're helping you to follow your heart and be true to yourself so you can make a real difference in the world. Today on the show, I have Greg Hopkinson. How did I meet Greg? Well, it's an interesting story and it began back in October 2016. I saw a post from Sandy Newbegin, Hay House author. He was promoting an independent film that looked really great. I remember watching the trailer and thinking, wow, this looks amazing. I have to see this film. I spoke to Paula about it, but due to my work commitments at the time, in the evenings, I wasn't able to get to any of the screenings. And man, there was a lot of them. Months passed, and Paula came home one night from a meeting. And she showed me a trailer for a film, something that she'd seen, letting me know that she was going to arrange a local screening of it for the alternative health community that she's growing. Instantly, I recognised the film. My face lit up and I thought, man, that's a film that I want to see months and months and months ago. And here it was, Paula was arranging for a screening of the film. She arranged it, it was put on in a local hotel, the date was set, people were invited, it was all good to go. In the meantime, I got a date through for my foot surgery. I needed to go in and have some bones broken and realigned and stuff. And it turns out that my surgery was scheduled for the very same day as the screening of the film. And Paula said to me, under no circumstances are you going to be able to go to that screening? And I'm going, actually, do you know what? I'm not going to miss this for anything. I am going to that screening. So I went in for my surgery, had my bones broken, all of that stuff. And straight from the hospital, I went to the screening of the film. I rocked up in a wheelchair, foot elevated, and I watched the film. It was transformational. I can honestly say that. And this is when I first came across Greg. So Greg Hopkinson and Sally Lewis are two Ashaya monks from New Zealand. They were inspired to make the film, a mindful choice, to show that anyone can choose for a greater experience of life. We're also introduced to Greg and Sally in the film as they meet a diverse range of different people making the choice for a better life through meditation. We're introduced to ballet dancers, writers, stressed business people, uh, a cancer patient, foster children, maximum security prisoners in Mexico. And their stories, they all show that peace is possible. Stunning st cinematography combined with the power of people sharing from a place of profound peace. It all delivers a palpable, movable experience. I was incredibly moved from the whole film. It grabbed me and it just didn't let go. So much so that I learned the meditation technique that they talk about within the film. A mindful choice, it also plants the seed of possibility that humanity could live in peace. A shift in consciousness is required and a shift that starts with each one of us choosing for our own inner peace and happiness. Inner peace and self-fulfillment are possible for every single one of us. And all that is required is to make a choice. This film, it is truly stunning. Truly, highly recommend it. 
So Greg, how did he get into filmmaking and become a modern day monk? Well, that's a very good question. Listen up to today's conversation to find out. In our conversation, we talked about being present, the source of happiness, and how to experience a peaceful and joyful life. Listen, I think you're gonna absolutely love this powerful conversation with Greg Hopkinson, but without further ado, let's get stuck in. Today on The Gina Show, I'm in conversation with Greg Hopkinson. Enjoy. Hi Greg, welcome to the show. It is absolutely amazing to have you here with us today. Also, welcome to the UK. You're over from New Zealand, right? That's right. I am. How are you and feeling? Look, you really... so far. <laughs> oh, look, well, the UK is always brilliant. You know, as a New Zealander, it's um, a place that we're always drawn to. And um, I've been here for just over a week and just catching up with friends. It's mm. been wonderful. Yeah, great. And there are people that are, have got a similar interest to myself. So, uh, yeah, it's great. Well, I feel honoured that you're here in the UK. And I know so much about you, but it's the first time that I'm obviously speaking to you face to face today. I'm, honestly, yeah. I'm, I'm just mind blown because I watched this film. Really great film. Here it is. It's called A Mindful Choice. I've watched it like a billion times and absolutely love it. I can't get enough of it, to be perfectly honest with you. And I always say, I think I've seen it more times than the people who screen it. And they tend to agree with me because I know what's coming next. <laughs> but listen, <laughs> I'm looking forward to finding out more about you. The film, obviously, as well, and also your experiences when filming it. We're going to come on to that in just a moment. But before we do, what do we need to know about Greg to help us to understand your story and where you are today? Tell us a bit about you. Yeah, sure. Basically, um, I was very driven in business and socially, and I ran at a very high level of stress and anxiety, and I partied hard. You know, it was my way to sort of get some respite from the stress. A mm -hmm. uh, big drinker and, and consumed quite a lot of drugs. And I got to my mid-40s and just realized, boy, you know, nothing's changed here. In fact, it continues to just get life's becoming a bit tougher. So um, very cynical character, extremely cynical. And um, I'd say if there's a common thread between my old friends and myself, it was cynicism. But I, I just chose, I made that choice to have a different experience of life. Mm. And importantly, I committed to it and I learned to uh, a meditation technique that's featured in the film. And um, one thing led to another. And within a year, I was uh, doing an absolutely ridiculous thing. I was on a six-month meditation retreat. And I became a monk and a shire monk of the Bright Path. Um, but I guess the thing for me is that what really drives me is um, I'm really passionate about um, meeting people where they're at and showing them as many people as possible that inner peace, contentment, and happiness is possible, and that it's possible to love unconditionally. You know, mm -hmm. we, we don't believe either it's possible, or if we do believe it's possible, we don't know how to go about it. Yeah. So my passion is to show people that it is possible and how they can do that. Fantastic. And I want to grill you on that in a little while. But before we do, let's take a step back. What is an Ashaya monk? What does that mean? 
Basically, an Ashaya monk is, uh, the Ashayas are um, monks of an ancient tradition, an ancient teaching that goes back eons. Um, it's non-religious. It doesn't involve any dogma or belief system. It's just a mechanical approach to letting go of the, the chatter in our head, that internal thinking, that commentary mm. that's driving us all the time. And the great thing is the technique we teach just allows anyone should they be ready and committed to doing it yeah. to themselves, to let go of thinking throughout the day as well as with your eyes closed. And within that letting go, we reveal peace. We become very attentive to this moment. We become present. Mm. We become very effective and we start to function with a lot of intuition. The judgment falls away and it's replaced with appreciation and gratitude just naturally. That sounds amazing. And I know so many people talk about wanting those things, but not quite knowing how to get to them. It's almost like they, they strive to get to those things instead of relaxing, letting go, surrendering, and letting it come to you. So that totally that, resonates everything that you just said. Yeah, that's great. You know, and it is, it's just gently letting go. It's not mm. using a mantra to force it out. It's these techniques function as if they're woven into your DNA. They just allow the thinking to go and we gently and attentively start to be here and now, flowing with life. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's the thing, we need a tool that works throughout the day that just allows us to let go of that chatter, the judgment about ourselves or about others or about mm. society. And from there we can start to reveal who we truly, truly are and function with a lot of power and effectiveness. And that's where the magic happens, right? When you're truly who you are and you show up as you yeah. came here to show up, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was interesting because the magic was the thing that actually, once I'd learned, was the thing that got me really passionate. You know, the synchronicities oh, really? that, yeah, the, the things, the coincidences and the things that sort of evolved or presented themselves. Yeah. They're always there, but we just miss them because we're so caught up in mm. thinking that we're unaware of the, the magic that's completely surround us, surrounds us in any moment. Totally, totally. Yeah. It can be so easy, can't it, to miss those opportunities and the things that are right there in front of you because it's almost like you're letting your mind take over that, that chatter that you talked about a few minutes ago. It's like, that's all there is in that moment when actually that's not all there is. And I think that's, that's a really poignant thing that I've learned when I started to ascend, when I started to practice this, this type of meditation. Can you tell us Greg, how it's different to other types of meditation? Yeah, for a whole lot of, um, ways it's different one is that you can use it with your eyes open as you go about your day like right now it's easy for you to use a technique while i'm talking yeah so that you're actually attentive here and now rather mm. than trying to second guess what i'm about to say or yeah rather than want to climb in on the conversation or judge you know we become very attentive now so mm. that we become very productive very effective in what we do mm. um so we use it with our eyes open as, with a, as well as our eyes closed, but it's a gentle letting go rather than a drowning out using a mantra. The, the, these mm. techniques just magically let the patterns of thinking go. The, the identification with thought lets it go. Um, so it, the technique works every time you use it. It's not hit and miss. Um, it's been kept in its purity 
um, for just literally thousands of years. And by purity, I mean that it hasn't become about idolizing someone outside of ourselves or that there's dogma or rules mm. or a belief system. It's just on a clinical level, it just appears to be a mechanical approach to letting go. But what it does is what you beautifully described is that it reveals a magical life. Um, so look, just very effective, um, very practical, very simple, and a, a rapid movement towards an increasingly stable awareness of this vast ocean of stillness that exists within each and every one of us. Mm. And, you know, we've all had those experiences in life where we've had a out of the blue a blissful moment or we've been overwhelmed with love or joy, you know, whether it's with a loved one or a baby or out in nature. With these techniques, we we can reveal that experience in any moment. It, it varies what that experience is depending on the state mm. of our body and our mind, but we can reveal that stillness and that peace. We're in control. And that was the thing for me when I learned was man i'm in finally i'm in control rather than me being righteous and judging everyone around me and getting wound up i was able to let it go and actually start to communicate with people with empathy and appreciate them and be grateful for them rather than you know this judgment mm, mm. And judgments can take over can't they it's, it's quite powerful how yeah you can just literally take over everything one thing that you said in there really resonated with me was around how it's really gentle. So other types of meditation that I've practiced, it's almost like you're trying to force the mind to be still. It's like you're actively trying to do something all the time, like mantras and all that kind of stuff. And I know when my partner Paula also practices Ascension, she always talks about it like, when she was trying to meditate before, she would put earphones in to drown out all of the noise. And then she'd be practicing uh, mantras, affirmations, whatever it was. The difference that she notices is that she can sit anywhere with no music. You don't have to have any music and you can just be still, you know, and reconnect to that stillness within you. And when she talked about that the first time, I was like, do you know what? You've hit it like bang on the head there. That's exactly what it is. You don't you're not trying to force anything out of your mind. You're not trying to quieten anything. You're just being. It's that, that stillness, isn't it? And that presence in that moment. And that's the thing that I noticed about it the most um, and still notice it now every day. It's fascinating. Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> and there's a great um, analogy. You know, the thing is the thoughts continue to come, mm. but we change our relationship with them. I still have righteous thoughts, judgmental thoughts, but I no. don't identify. I don't identify. <laughs> I don't. I don't identify with them. So it doesn't become a pattern of thinking. Yeah. And the 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 great um, thing about uh, this analogy is it's like it's the analogy of the sky. You know, if you consider the sky for a moment, mm. it's eternal. It was there at the beginning of time. It'll probably be there at the end of time. It's unbounded. Mm. But passing through the sky are clouds and aircraft and flocks of birds and weather systems. Mm. But the sky doesn't identify with it. It just allows it to pass through. And it's the same for us. We're a different, we're similar, 
to the sky. We're unaware of it, but we are. We're a vast ocean of stillness. Mm. But in our lifetime, our, our awareness has developed a habit of identifying with those things that pass through us, thoughts, chatter, energy. Mm. And it just, I'm addicted to it. So when we use these techniques, as you beautifully described, you're letting go and you're revealing that peace and stillness and the thoughts just keep drifting by, but we have no interest in being following them. Mm. So it just becomes a very stable awareness of that stillness, regardless of what's passing through our, our existence. Yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. Beautiful description there. That was, yeah, that, yeah. yeah. I, I can really visualize that as, as you were saying it, that was fantastic. So tell us, how did you come across Ascension? Well, I'd um, been in a relationship that had failed and I was behaving like a teenager. I, my, the, the voice in my head, the ego just couldn't deal with it. Yeah. And I, I, was, I was suffering and um, I was in a cafe and saw a, a, a little poster for this technique. Um, yeah. Ascension as taught by the Ashais of the Bright Path. And I thought, look, and I'd, I'd been on a journey for about a week mm. or two weeks where I'd read books like by Eckhart Tolle, The Power of Now, and, and the, this poster, something about it, even though it sounded wacky, resonated with me. And um, I, I lined up for the course, just like you had the passion and drive to do it. And... Um, and basically, on the Friday night, it's a weekend course, um, I realised I had, for the first time in my life, I had a, a toy to play with that allowed me to disengage the chatter mm. and reveal peace. And so it was just from being in a phase of anguish and realising that despite having an abundant life, I wasn't happy and I wasn't content and I wanted that. And I wanted the ability to actually be able to love someone unconditionally. And I mm. didn't really know what that meant, but it, love was, if I look back, you know, I often say it was because I was stressed, but ultimately I was hungry for love, love mm. of myself and the ability to love someone else unconditionally. Sure. Wow. I can imagine you spotting that poster and going, what is this? but then being so intrigued that you were like, I've got to go, I've got to go, I've got to find out more. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. There was a bit of dialogue for a start. Like. Yeah, but <laughs> you're like, shut up, shut up, shut up. <laughs> Let's yeah. talk about the film for a minute. So Mindful Choice. What yep. was the catalyst for that? What made you make the film? Well, basically, um, I've been, my um, sort of... Um, <laughs> byline if you want or uh, for the want of a better term my purpose is anything I do I want to have the most profound and irreversible impact on consciousness which means I want as more and more people to experience peace and happiness and contentment however that looks mm. you know uh, it could be learning to ascend it could be learning another meditation technique or just doing more of what you love doing and um, I published a book and created a website to support that book, Boundless. But um, the film was just an opportunity to, um, to, to pitch out to the mainstream and show people that it is possible, that inner peace mm -hmm. and happiness is possible. 
It was funny, actually, because a, a film director buddy of mine, I had a conversation with him, and I said, what do you think about the idea of a reality TV show? Um, people before, during, and after learning to meditate. Ooh. And he just said, dead, deadpan, he said, not enough sex and drama. <laughs> and it was like, he said, but it was sort of a, a full feature documentary format. So we went for it. And I was, I'm, I'm fortunate that my part, partner, Sally, um, we've got the time and resources to create projects like this. So I was pretty aware of the sort of cost that was involved. And within 20 minutes, we'd committed to doing it. Whoa, really? <laughs> yeah. Wow, that, that's pretty, that's all feet in, isn't it? Inflow, let's go for it, let's just do this. Yeah, 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 it was. It just resonated so, um, it, it just felt so right. that It was like, okay, look, we've got to do this. Mm, yeah. mm. And now the film, yeah. it's, it's doing the rounds. It's like, um, is it worldwide now? Am I right in thinking it's, it's worldwide? It, it is, and, it, and it's moving sort of every few weeks. There's another video on demand platforms, picked it up in a different country. Fantastic. Like in the last week, uh, there's a raft of video on demand platforms in Brazil that are about to uh, take it up. Uh, it's available on iTunes and Amazon here in the UK, as well as Vimeo. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so, and it was screened cinematically in a bunch of countries, but certainly uh, Mexico, because a lot of the stories, some of the big stories are Mexican. Yeah, yeah. Um, as uh, some of the, the, there's a couple of big UK stories in it as well, but in Mexico, the biggest cinema chain picked up the film and screened it uh, nationwide, which was fantastic. That's amazing. You must be so chuffed yeah. about that. Oh, look. We, we, we actually uh, premiered the film in the prison. One of the prisons, one of the stories. Oh, did you? Yeah, and the prison, before Ascension was taught there, that they had one event where 44 um, cartel members of one cartel died in one event. Yeah. And within a year, one of our colleagues had got in there to teach prison, uh, teach Ascension. So that was the reason we got into screen in the uh, prison because not only was there about a third of the prisoners uh, meditating, but there was a third of the guards and the mm. management, you know, it's, it's one thing for one group to say, you need to meditate and I'm fine. Yeah. But when you've got a level playing field and people are using it with their eyes open, that's a mm. whole new dynamic. Absolutely. So um, yeah. And, we, we had a massive nationwide media coverage. And I said to my partner, Sally, I said, you know, could you have ever dreamt that this would happen? And it was like, well, actually, we had no idea what was going on, what we were yeah. doing, you know. <laughs> we, just, we just did it. We didn't think about the, the consequences, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the thing, I think, when you make something like a film and you, you're prepared to stump up with the money yeah. and have no education. So you're not sort of, coming at different angles. It's, you're just putting it out there and letting it see where it's got a life of its own. You know? mm. You're not forcing it. Well, that's the best way. That's how, how amazing pieces of work come together, don't they? There's no, there's no fix like, this is how it's got to be. It just flows. And it, Absolutely. It, and it really feels like that. When you're watching the film, it does naturally flow. You can tell that every person that's in there is speaking from the heart. Oh, it's just beautiful. It's really beautiful. I'm interested to hear from you in terms of 
so you you went around the world you spoke with lots of different people you filmed lots of different people yeah which of the stories or people had the biggest impact on you personally oh, for me it was in the prison in was mexico it? yeah and um we took a film crew with us uh, one of our cinematographers is what he won two emmys um and we went into the prison and I just said, look, I want to speak to the most difficult prisoner who, um, first. Like you do. I want to speak to the hardest, like most criminal criminal in here, right? Yeah, yeah. So he was in maximum, he was in a solitary confinement and maximum security. And we sat down and I said, oh, mate, look, this is only the second time I've ever been in prison. And the first time was actually in a Mexican prison where I was locked up for drunken behaviour about 35 years ago. <laughs> so he just cracks up. But um, so I, um, I really felt comfortable with those guys, even though they're possibly some of the most violent uh, guys, you know, the Mexican cartel dudes. Yeah. Not interested in what they've done or who they are, but... Um, they were having um, a profound experience. And we got halfway through the interviews and I, I said to one of them, how long have you been ascending for? And, and like, they were clearly having a profound experience of stillness and joy. And he said, four days. And no I just way. couldn't think. Yeah, they're just yeah. going for it. And the interesting thing is people say, well, you know, it's all very well, the prisoners have got nothing else to do. Hmm. But they've made a choice. They've made a choice to have a different experience of life, to let go of the patterns of thinking that drive their patterns of behavior. Yeah. And that's actually a very courageous thing to do. And the great thing is uh, we went back 18 months later to premiere the film in the prison and we got to interview most of those guys again. Some have been released and they used to work out up to eight hours a day because they, their prevailing experience is fear. Yeah. And so they're just, they're just ready to deal with whatever comes their way. Hmm. Physically, they'd completely changed. And um, some of them were working in, um, in like a um, – they were working in service, being like a social worker to help new prisoners assimilate into the prison. And their life's turned, gone from being these extremely violent dudes to actually helping others. And wow. just it was fantastic. Going back, it was like meeting old mates. You know, was it? Just, <laughs> you know, totally. Just embracing them and oh, having wow. the opportunity to hang out with them for a couple of hours, actually. It was great. Do you know that moment when I very first watched the film? The prison moment was the moment where the whole room, you could hear a pin drop. I don't know why, and obviously people have to watch the film to find out more, but when I remember sitting there and thinking, wow, just wow, look at all of these guys in a room. But like you said, it wasn't just the prisoners, it was the, the guards, literally everybody joining in. And it was almost like you could feel the energy in the room. And I remember you, you sat down on the film right at the front and I remember you saying I think it was either a little bit before or a little bit afterwards about the energy in the room and you're like this is just incredible ascending with this many people in a room is just amazing but the fact that those guys are there they're willing to try something different something new 
and that they've just kind of gone all in, haven't they? You can totally see that they're all in. It's incredible. Yeah, yeah and look, I'll tell you the thing about that is that um, the prison's broken up into four quadrants. Right. Different cartel, cartel members are in different, separated. Okay. That was the first, first time that members from all of the quadrants had been together in wow. that uh, auditorium. And, and when we went back, to premiere the film, mm. the, there, were, there were probably two and a half times as many people there, more and more of them learn. And, and we'd given them, we had the premiere, red carpet, and they, we, they had T-shirts with the name of the film on, they had popcorn and Coca-Cola. <laughs> and the, and they, all start, they all started chanting the name of the film. <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's brilliant. <laughs> Yeah, it was brilliant. And we had a film crew, a local film crew, come with us again and filmed the guys that were in the film watching themselves. You know, just an incredible experience. Wow. But, yeah, the, look, the, the peace and the stillness in there is absolutely palpable. Um, it's, it's just such a powerful thing. And it's inspired us to, to finally get into prisons in New Zealand. It's, it's wow. looking like it could happen here in the UK. We're teaching in two prisons. Uh, we've got gang issues in New Zealand, um, disadvantaged, like the Maori people. Are, um, there's too many in there, really. You know, mm. they're disadvantaged, and it's just been fantastic. I've been in teaching with some of the other lead teachers. Wow. It's, um, we're about to get into four more prisons. So the film's been opening doors in prisons mm. and schools in a number of different countries. So it's. Um, it's a fantastic thing. And the thing is, you, you're talking about the stillness. It is palpable. Mm. But when people see people like prisoners that have nothing invested in a specific type of meditation technique, talk about the experience. It's like there's a surrendering, a letting it go. It's like, okay, this is, this is something, you know. Mm. Yeah. But you didn't expect that, did you, when you first set out to do this? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> <laughs> what did you learn about yourself as a result of making the film? I learnt because it was making films uh, on one hand is easier now, on another hand it's more difficult because mm. technology changes continually. Yeah. And I'm a, I'm a bit of a, a technophobe, I'm a, I'm a resistor no. of technology. <laughs> and um, so but the thing was, there was so much, it's one thing to make a film, but we also looked after the distribution in 11 languages to a bunch of about 15 countries. Okay. And it was coming at us continually. And what I really got from it was just to remain attentive here and deal with what's presented here rather than trying to second guess things that are coming. And there were yeah. two specific incidences where I wanted to force my will on a certain aspect of the filmmaking. It was like I, there was a, um, a percussionist in Norway who um, is really well known. She's a good looking young woman. It would have, in my mind, added to the mix. And I sort of forced, wanted, I was in a way we were, and Sally was the same, we wanted her in, but it wasn't what was flowing. And a whole lot of things uh, didn't go right and it cost a lot of money. And it was just like, okay, let's just be attentive here now and deal with what's being presented so that, yeah. 
everything and it's the experience I'm sure you're having increasingly is everything is presented to us yeah. and we have a tendency to be out there chasing things trying to make things work and, mm. and we get busy and stressed but if we let go and just remain here everything we need to do is here and the film that process really refined that because it took two years to get the film distributed and it was big and potentially intense if I tried to move forward and it just it just re it polished my ability to remain attentive here mm. now that's an amazing and, just, <laughs> and the great thing is just, it reconfirms doesn't matter who you are on the planet where you live what you've done every single one of us wants exactly the same thing absolutely what want, is that we all want an unbroken uh, experience of inner peace happiness contentment and we want to experience unconditional love all the time we just don't want moments of it mm -hmm. we don't believe it's possible well the film shows it is possible and if yeah. you leave watching the film and you still don't think it's possible you're a cynic but if at the end of it you'll know where to go to find a technique a teaching that, that delivers it there's, there's many ways to do it but this way is very effective yeah and it doesn't involve anything from the individual other than committing to themselves to going for that so it reconfirmed that you know whether you're a cartel member in a mexican prison or whether you were a, um, a comfortably off uh, woman in um, britain who's you know is is has cancer you know mm -hmm. it just doesn't matter we all want, we're all the same we all want the same thing like you say and i think i hear time and time again people are seeking happiness joy love connection contentment all of those things what do you think's missing why are so many people not having those things? Uh, we all look in the wrong place. I, I used to look for it in um, making money, in um, drinking heavily. I used drugs to alter my, try and alter my consciousness. Hmm. We think, um, I think the two things that humanity really is focused on and struggles with and is looking in the wrong place. One's abundance in the way of money. Yeah. Uh, and and two is love and we think we're going to get that love we're after with someone else now mm. we can love someone else but the reality is number one is that once you master letting go of thinking uh, the we're surrounded by abundance and it doesn't have to have a a, a pound note on it you know it, it 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 comes people help us we make choices that don't cost so much um, we can st money still is definitely an aspect of this life, but it doesn't become the obsession. Mm. And when we start to realise by letting go, we're revealing a vast ocean of love within us. We let go of the judgment about ourselves and others. We're just so much more open to mm -hmm. loving and being loved. You know, rather than being isolated, we're just much more open. So, um, yeah, we, we're looking in the wrong place, but it's all within us. And we just need to let, have a technique to let go of this. Yeah. And it reveals. Totally does. That's my experience. You, you've just summed up my experience in a nutshell, <laughs> which is great. Right. Yeah, brilliant. Listen, I know, I know that you know loads about authenticity. I want to talk about authenticity for a, a few minutes. Time and time again, I hear people say that being authentic is about being yourself. 
But I have this huge thing. I don't quite agree with that. And the reason that I don't agree with that is because I believe that people show up wearing a mask, like a censored version of themselves that they've adapted throughout the years to fit in, to be accepted. I, I can recognize that in myself. I'm gay. And that label, that whole you're gay thing, that label, it almost kind of distanced me a little bit further from who I really was. So instead of showing up to work and, and in life as me, as the real me, I kind of adapted who I was to make sure that people didn't notice that I was gay or didn't question me or didn't want to know anything like that I might not want to tell them. So when I think about authenticity, as I said, people often say that it's about being yourself, but I've got this, this real thing about people don't show up as themselves. They have got a mask that they wear, like a censored version of themselves. I'd love to hear your thoughts on authenticity, identity, maybe a bit about grooves and how they impact on your life. Yeah, sure. You know, um, I used to have a mask for every different environment. Mm. whether it was work and business or whether it was in my loving relationship or whether it was socially. And I think most people do, you know, we, we tweak how, how we present ourselves. Mm. And um, I'm sorry, I'm just going to have to put uh, charge this phone Sure, up go for it, go for it. <laughs> We've lost yeah, you. Oh. Where have you gone? <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Sorry, um, go for it. Yeah, yeah. This will be a different. Okay. Uh, can you see me now? Yeah, got you. Right. Yeah, there you are. So I'm in a completely different environment now. That's all right. No worries. And I'll just, I'll sorry about that. I'll put this down here. Maybe a heavier book. Sorry, uh, viewers. Don't worry. <laughs> don't worry. These things happen. We all run out of juice. Everybody yeah. runs out of juice. Actually, <laughs> obviously consumes a bit of juice that was charged before I started, but uh, there you go. Okay, so the basically, um, <clears throat> you know, we, we hear this terminology, the ego, and I really didn't know what the ego was, but really, as soon as we identify with thought, we start thinking. So a thought comes along, and the thought has content, and it moves. As soon as our awareness identifies with the content of that thought, we start thinking. Now, as soon as we've started thinking, we've engaged the ego. Um, and that thinking may be a judgment around us or the way we want to present ourselves. Or, you know, for a lot of people, there's a, a pattern of thinking is there's something wrong or I'm not good enough or, you know, whatever. Mm. So within that, as soon as we've identified with thought, we're no longer who we truly are. Mm. And this is a tricky one for people until, unless they've experienced it. It sounds like a bit of gobbledygook, really. But when we use these techniques, we're letting go of that identification with thought. The thought gently drifts off mm. and we reveal who we are, our true personality. And so... From there, we can only communicate truth. We can only communicate in appreciation and gratitude. There's no possibility for judgment when we've, when we've let go of um, that identification with thought, with mm. that thinking. So what actually starts to happen when we use a technique such as um, Shire's Ascension is that 
that that was never real was the way that was always there, who we truly are is revealed more and more. And we start to speak our truth. You know, we speak with much more often directness. Uh, we're a lot more compassionate. And it's easy for us to become uh, fun function with empathy where we drop, we, we no longer identify with the labels. You know, so this labeling is a tricky thing, you know, mm, yeah. um, and, and particularly when it, it's about ourselves or certainly with different groups in society, this labeling creates a, a real judgment. So letting go of any pattern, any thinking reveals who we truly are. And from there, it's all authentic. Yeah, it's, it's truth. You know, when we identify with thinking and once again, it might be tricky for the, if you're here listening, but when, when we identify with thinking, there's a subtle acted, a filter of judgment from us mm. about ourselves, our relationship to other people and, and to the world. And it's not authentic. It's so not getting, real. Actually. Getting back to that stillness then is the place where authenticity comes through. Yeah, mm. really. That, that, and that's 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 basically what we're revealing, and from there we're we're communicating from that still, profound space. Yeah, and we've all had those experiences where we've we've found felt profoundly uh, in harmony, in the flow. We feel very grounded, and when we communicate, we can say some really profound and impactful things, and that's our true nature. That's it. That's who we truly are communicating. And everything else is, I, I often think of everything else as identity, isn't it? It's the things that you've, you've been given almost, or your belief system, your old conditioning, the judgments, the criticisms, the labeling, all of that kind of builds up and up and up to hide the authentic real you that's inside. So when you get back, when you use a technique like the Ascension Techniques, you go back into who you really are, that core of, of realness, the stillness, that's really you. Powerful Absolutely. stuff. That's, Powerful stuff, Greg. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It is. We, we really, and you read about it, um, but we're, we're infinitely more capable and powerful than we have any idea until we start letting go of the limiting mm. patterns of thinking. You know, they're limiting us in every possible step of the day, you know. Mm, it's mm. an thing playing with letting it go, which, you know, we, you and I are both doing. <coughs> yeah, yeah. I've got no so many I've got so many questions I want to ask you, Greg. So, so many questions. But I know that time is limited and obviously um, we've only got a short length of time here today. I have got one final question that I want to ask you, which is around... What is the change that you want to see in the world? What, what are you passionate about? Uh, but basically, my life's committed to it. I've, I, I, I do, it's all I do is work for consciousness, for people mm. to experience more peace. I just basically, and it'll I'm confident this, is, this, this can happen in this lifetime. Uh, and it can happen quite quickly. It doesn't need too many people to actively uh, be attentive to this present moment and be letting go of thinking. But for mm. me, I just want humanity to um, live in harmony, for everyone to um, 
to be free of the identification with thought and mm. to be themselves and, and just live in a um, complete um, experience of, of joy, happiness and love. And, and it's possible. And it's like humanity in that mode would be like this massive symphony orchestra where everyone has a specific personality or capability or flavor and it's there in its completeness. It would, life would just be so rich. Um, and and look, I'm I'm very excited by the way things are unfolding. You know, on the surface, looks like it's pretty rocky times. Mm. But definitely, as a teacher, as a monk, um, as a teacher of consciousness, we're seeing more and more people like yourself that are just making it easy to reveal that stillness, yeah. which is the same stillness that underlies each and every one of us. You enlivening it for you, that experience, mm -hmm. makes it easier for others to, to uh, rest in that experience. So Absolutely. It, that's it. I want people, humanity to be there in, in, in harmony, living um, in a joyous and loving way. And, I, and I'm definitely, I have no doubt that that's uh, possible in this lifetime. It absolutely is. You're making it possible. So listen, are we going to see another film? Do I get to see another? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's have so, a film, a so, maybe. Yeah, look, I'm not necessarily a filmmaker. We just, it was one of our projects. Yeah. Um, however, we, we do have a couple of little film projects in the pipeline, but it's too early to talk about it. Okay. Although, but Sally has got material to do a follow-up for the prison Ooh, um, cool. but um, really we've got a bunch of projects that we're working on film is probably going to be one of those um, really it's just showing people as many people as possible yeah. as you are with the interview thank you the piece is possible absolutely and if people want to see this see the film do you want me to give you the yeah please uh, yeah I was going to ask you that so how can people get hold of a copy of a mindful choice the film what do they need to do? Okay. So you can go to the website, www.choicethefilm.com. That's choicethefilm.com. Alternatively, a mindful choice is available on amazon.co.uk and on Prime. And it's also available on iTunes and Vimeo. Um, but certainly it's available in 11 languages. Um, so the best way to access that is actually through the website choicethefilm.com or Vimeo. Okay. Um, and um, the, in terms of the teaching? Yes, absolutely. Uh, Tell us how people can get involved with the teaching and how they can learn. Okay, there's a bunch, nearly a hundred teachers of this teaching at the Shire Monks in the UK, all fantastic teachers. 101 on. soon. <laughs> Don't job. tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Sorry, go on. How, how can they find yeah. out more, Greg? Go on. <laughs> um, it's on uh, thebrightpath.com. The That's www.thebrightpath.com. And that's a multinational, an international website. You're able to get to the UK or if there's people in other countries, there's multiple languages available there. So it's choicethefilm.com for the film. Yep. And then uh, the film's called A Mindful Choice. Uh, and the ascension as taught by the Ashires of the Bright Path is thebrightpath.com.
That's fantastic. I'll put the links along with this recording so people can literally just click through and, and access it. Um, well, one thing I want to mention about the, the teaching about Ascension is that once you've been through, they call it a first sphere, which is a weekend course. So you go on the weekend course. Once you've done that, then you can go and access any other first sphere anywhere in the world free of charge. How cool Forever. is that? Yeah. And look, we encourage people to do that, even if it means coming back for a day or for the two and a half days. Yeah, we've done yeah. it where we come for, like like you said, a day, the weekend sometimes. We're also looking further afield. Like when we're traveling, we're looking at other countries and seeing where there are meetings going on. Um, so there's a real community around it. It's fantastic. It's one of the most nurturing, loving communities that I've ever been part of. And I can honestly say it's changed my life. So... Listen, thank you so much, Greg. It's such an honour to speak with you today. I've been so excited about this for like weeks. <laughs> so thank you. Look, it's, like, it's a real treat for me to be conversing with you, you know, given how you've come to this. And I really appreciate the opportunity and what you're doing as well, big time. Thank you. It's my pleasure. It's been great to chat to you to find out more about you, the film, Ascension, how to be authentic, and also the source of happiness. Who, who knew, eh? How are we missing it? It's pretty obvious. Thanks yeah. again, Greg. Awesome to chat with you. I look forward to ascending with you soon, hopefully. Fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure we will. I'm sure we will. Absolutely. Yeah. Great. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. folks that was my conversation with greg hopkinson go and check out a mindful choice both the website and on social media and if you want to know more about ascension meditation check out the bright path the links are posted along with this recording i hope you enjoyed the show today if you did please share it around on facebook don't forget to subscribe on itunes and if you think someone would enjoy the show please pass it on to them i'll be back next week with episode two of the gina show bringing to you another powerful personal conversation with a soulful change maker. I'll see you then.